0: And so let me pray and then I'll I'll get into that. Uh, Father, this morning, uh, first I thank you for being able to come up here and uh, to correct things that I've uh, wrongly said about you. And Lord, I've already asked your forgiveness. I've asked your people's forgiveness for that. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you are gracious and your people are patient with me. Uh, Lord, as I learn and grow how to better communicate the truths of your word and the the truths of uh, uh, the the mystery of the Trinity, the the mystery of the hypostatic union, um, Lord, thank you for your your patience. And Lord, this morning as we come to this this topic, this issue of homosexuality, and Lord, how it uh, affects the church, how we're to relate to it, uh, Lord, we're asking you, Lord. I can, I can give information, Lord. I can, I can teach the best that I possibly can. But, Lord, apart from your Spirit, ministering to our hearts and ministering to our minds and, Lord, helping us to grapple with the truth of your Word, Lord, changing us. Lord, we want to have your thinking on this issue. We want to have your heart on this issue. Lord, we want to w- respond rightly uh, to, to, uh, to sin, to sin in our own lives and in other people's lives we we want to we want to have our hands rightly wrapped around the gospel lord and we want to be able to offer people the hope that's in christ we want to be faithful right ambassadors of you so uh, lord we're asking you to do that lord, we're also asking that by your spirit lord that if uh, there are those who um, lord are, are are struggling with same-sex attraction lord are struggling in homosexuality Uh, God, we, we would ask, Lord, this morning and through the next few weeks that, Lord, that your spirit would work in them as he has worked in all that you save. Lord, to open our eyes to the truth and our ears that we might hear. And that, Lord, that you might grant repentance, Lord, and changed hearts. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen as jason mentioned in his prayer which i was uh, appreciated very much this morning um th- this is a very the the issue of homosexuality the topic of homosexuality is a it's a very divisive a very emotional issue and and because of that uh, there's there's something i'm asking of you those of you. and i don't pretend to know where everybody's at on this topic in this room um Uh, but but i do know this that i want to caution you against um, because it can be so emotional it can be divisive i want to caution you against you know audible sighs or gasps or or chuckles about things this is uh, this is this is a this is an issue that affects people and oftentimes when we when we Sigh, or we gasp at something that's said that we, you know, maybe an issue that we don't like, and, or we chuckle at it, and, uh, you know, it it shows that we, we, we treat it flippantly. It also shows that we have forgotten who we are, that we're sinners, and that the Lord God has graciously opened our eyes and saved us because we were in sin and we were, we were in rebellion against god so i'm asking not not to not to do those things exercise self-control not to draw attention to yourself secondly i want to give my give the parents here my assurance that i will do the best that i can not to talk graphically about this issue the Bible is graphic enough, and that's where I want to stay—is with the Word. Uh, I'm not going to explain a lot of this terminology to your young children that are sitting in here. Uh, that's the parent's responsibility to do—to explain to the, to the kids at an at a, at a age-appropriate level what what uh, what these things mean and 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 how that looks. And uh, I'm not touching that. Okay, um, uh, that's that's the parent's job. And so with that. As you know, our culture is in the throes of what I would call a moral revolution. And by that I mean a complete reversal of morals. That which was previously condemned is now condoned, now celebrated. And this U-turn hasn't been a slow process that's taken place over many decades But in a relatively short amount of time, our culture has done an about-face on the issue of homosexuality. Let me give you an example. Back in 1997, on an episode of the sitcom Ellen, not not the talk show Ellen, but the sitcom Ellen, this was uh, pre-talk show... But in 1997, on, a, on an episode of the sitcom, sitcom, Ellen, the main character, played by Ellen DeGeneres, announced that she was gay. This is 1997. A firestorm erupted, and, and, and the next season, that, that show went off the air. It was canceled. So that was 1997. Everybody's up in arms about it and then just a few months ago back in January on national TV during the Grammys Queen Latifah if you remember this presided over a mass wedding that included 33 heterosexual and also homosexual couples so what was condemned back in 1997 now is embraced and celebrated in 2014 this shift In our culture, this moral revolution has taken place quite rapidly. I think about our children and our grandchildren. They're growing up in a world that is vastly different than the world that us older adults grew up in. It it has radically changed. The issue of homosexuality, it's, it's not something that you and I can choose to avoid. We can't bury our heads in the sand and, and hope that we won't have to deal with it. You can be sitting here this morning, you're 70 or 80 years old, you're going to have to deal with it. We've, we've got to be informed on this issue. Now, now this isn't an issue that I, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to teach on homosexuality. I have no pleasure in teaching on sin, but I do have great joy in sharing the gospel. But the issue of homosexuality, it affects every one of us in here. You, You can't escape it internationally, on, on an international level you, you remember during this year's Olympics there in Sochi, Russia NBC Sportcast, sportscaster Bob Costas you remember he went into a, a, a tirade there on national TV about many things but one of those uh, that, he, that he was uh, uh, having a fit about was about some of the laws that uh, President Putin there in Russia had enacted that his quote here, viewed are, that are viewed as re- repressive to members of the gay community and their supporters. So he was up in arms about the fact that they had these draconian laws on the books that were not supportive of legalizing an equal treatment of homosexuals and all that. And he berated, uh, Putin, you know, from his, uh, you know, little sportscaster podium there. Also on an international level. Currently, there are 16 countries that have legalized same-sex marriage. Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Denmark, France, Iceland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Portugal, Spain, South Africa, Sweden, United Kingdom, and Uruguay. And then, of course, uh, several states within the United States and several states within Mexico, though the countries, neither of those countries as a whole has embraced it. Uh, I think the Netherlands was the first country back in 2001 to legalize same-sex marriage and the last country to do it has been has been England the United Kingdom just uh, just in uh, later here in 2013 uh, they legalized it. So on an international level it's being dealt with. It's being talked about, it's being embraced. On a national level here in our own country, you remember it was just 2 years ago on May 9th 2012, that President Obama famously stated. He said, and I quote, At a certain point, I've just concluded that for me personally, it's important for me to go ahead and affirm that I think same sex couples should be able to get married. The, the, the thing at, at root that we think about is not only Christ sacrificing himself for our, on our behalf, but also it's the golden rule that, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And you remember this, he came out with an announcement. It was almost as if he had to say something of where he stood on the issue because just three days prior to that, Vice President Biden stated on a Sunday talk show uh, you know, where he stood and how he embraced the issue of same-sex marriage. Currently in the United States, we have 30 states that have passed legislation banning same-sex marriage that are against legalizing marriage between... A homosexual couple. But in the past year, we have watched federal judges systematically overturn uh, the state laws. It's like dominoes falling one after another. This past Monday of this week, a federal judge threw out Oregon's same-sex marriage ban. On Tuesday, the very next day, another federal judge struck down Pennsylvania's ban on same-sex marriage. In the past year, federal or state judges have done the same thing in Idaho, Oklahoma, Virginia, Michigan, Texas, Utah, and Arizona. And judges have ordered Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, and Indiana to recognize same-sex marriages from other states. And then in New Mexico, their own Supreme Court there within the state of New Mexico has declared that their state ban on same-sex marriage is unconstitutional. So we're seeing federal and state judges just dismantle the will of the states systematically one after another. In our own state here in California, those of you who are public school teachers know that the transgender restroom law went into effect in january of this year it was called the school success and opportunity act Uh, and it and it gives transgender students in k through 12 public schools in california the right to choose by themselves the bathrooms uh, which bathrooms and locker rooms they will use and which sports teams they want to identify with also on a state level we have current. We have legislation currently uh, in in Sacramento. It's called AB 129, Assembly Bill 1529. And if passed, it would give the Secretary of State, the Franchise Tax Board, and the Attorney General. So three three different uh, uh, you know means here, uh, the power to uh, or three different branches here, the, the power to dissolve a nonprofit organization such as us. We're a 403 BC nonprofit corporation. It would give the power to dissolve a nonprofit organization if the non- nonprofit's process is not consistent with all sections of California law. So uh, that would mean that because uh, California law requires that your hiring practice, you know, that you not show any bias, you know, because of uh, race or gender, but also because of sexual orientation. Currently that's not binding on nonprofit organizations. We, you know, they can't demand that a church, you know, hire someone who is actively engaged in a homosexual lifestyle. We don't have to hire them because that that would be uh not true to what we believe the Word of God teaches. But if this law were passed, it would give them the means, the mechanism by which to withdraw, to revoke our 40, our our, our non profit status, which is fine. They can do that. It still, doesn't, it still doesn't revoke the fact that we're God's people and we're his church. Also, in this past year, we've seen California pass another law, signed into law by Governor Jerry Brown. And it makes illegal, uh, uh, you're not able to counsel minors to change their sexual orientation. Now, that's not binding on pastors or on lay people, but it's licensed upon the psychological community, the licensed therapists and stuff like that, that they're not allowed to what they call gay conversion therapy for minors. So if they're under 18, someone who has a, has a license with the state of California to practice family therapy or uh, something like that or a psychologist, they cannot try to counsel that, that, that minor to leave that lifestyle. It makes it illegal to do that. So we've got to, it affects us on an international level. It affects us on a, on a national level. I mean, there's, there's, there is no level of our life that it's not being talked about. It's even at the church level, of course. You remember now, it's been several years we've seen, over the past several years, we've seen many liberal denominations. Have capitulated on the issue of homosexuality from the Episcopal Church to the liberal wing of the Presbyterian Church, the uh, Presbyterian Church USA, not to be confused with the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, very solid arm of the Presbyterian denomination. Many, many uh, different uh, uh, Baptist uh, denominations, uh, non-denominational churches—they have capitulated on the issue of homosexuality, and many right now as we speak, are in the midst of capitulating on the issue of homosexuality. They are embracing what the culture is teaching on it rather than what the Word of God is teaching on it. Many of you, most of you probably are familiar with the fact that it was back in 1986 that a fellow by the name of Gene Robinson, he became the first openly gay bishop ordained by the Episcopal Church. And uh, he divorced his wife of 14 years and um, entered into a relationship with another man whom he later married in 2008 when when same-sex marriage became legalized. And then just a couple of weeks ago, on May the 3rd, he publicly announced their divorce. Also within the church, many of you are familiar with a Christian humanitarian organization called World Vision. World Vision is if not the largest one of the largest humanitarian organizations uh you know regardless of whether being christian but it's one of the most uh, one of the largest humanitarian organizations out there back in march of this year the ceo uh, president of the uh, the the board there announced that world vision would no longer require its more than 1100 employees to restrict their sexual activity to marriage between one man and one woman but they would, and I quote, continue to expect abstinence before marriage and fidelity within marriage for all staff. Since World Vision is a multi-denominational organization that welcomes employees from more than 50 denominations, and since a number of these denominations in recent years have sanctioned same-sex marriage for Christians, the board, in keeping with our practice of deferring church authority to the lives, in the lives of our staff, and desiring to treat all of our employees equally, Choose to adjust our policy. Thus, the board has modified our employee's standard of conduct to allow a Christian in a legal same-sex marriage in yeah, in a legal same-sex marriage to be employed at World Vision. So, what had long been their policy to expect that people's their employees' lives should line up with the Word of God that they were to be chased before marriage and then if married it was between a man and a woman they capitulated on that issue and went with the pressure from the culture and because they were being dictated by the culture it wasn't but a day later that they reversed that policy because of an outcry from their donors They reversed their decision back to the previous policy, which now states that they will only allow employees to work for them that are chased before marriage and chased within marriage between a man and a woman. And that's got implications that are huge about their own views on the authority of the the Word of God and on Scripture. And just because they've changed their policy, does that now make them uh, an organization that you would want to support? I've got big concerns and issues about that, but that's not for this morning beyond the church we also see it at a local level Uh, here coming up next weekend at the antelope valley fairgrounds are sponsoring the annual pride festival and i quote av pride celebrates the lesbian gay bisexual transgender and queer community through entertainment arts and friendship we welcome all members of the antelope valley to join us in honoring diversity, promoting quality, and creating a safe and accepting home for our lay, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer families. This past Wednesday, if you happen to have been down in uh, Valencia, at the Valencia Town Center, there's a, a little restaurant down there called Salt Creek Grill. About five in the evening, a flash mob dance group converged in the patio area just on the outside of, uh, of the um, uh, of Salt Creek Grill there. And when the dance ended, a young man proposed to his boyfriend of five years. We also know that we face the issue of homosexuality within our workplaces many of you have heard of the company Mozilla. Mozilla is a free software community best known for producing the uh, uh, Firefox web browser, right, that many of us use. Well, back in the end of March, they promoted to CEO a a man by the name of Brendan Eich. And Brendan Eich was the co-founder of Mozilla and also the inventor of JavaScript, which if you have a computer, you got JavaScript on it. It's on everything. Uh, tremendously intelligent man, sharp guy. Uh, but they promoted him to uh, Mozilla's CEO. And then within about a week or two, he was pressured to step down the, uh, by the company and by, and by gay rights groups. Why? Because he had donated $1,000 back in 2008 to Proposition 8. Remember Prop 8. It was the uh, constitutional amendment here in our, in our state in California that stated only marriage between a man and a woman is valid or recognized in California. So because he did that back in 2008, gay groups prevailed, pressured, and he stepped down from CEO. Those of you who are in the workplace are increasingly seeing... That your coworkers are are homosexuals, um, and it's become in the workplace. It's it's more than uh, it's become an agenda. I don't know how else to say it. It's become an agenda that goes beyond educating employees. And I'm all for the educating of of employees to treat one another with respect, regardless of race, regardless of of gender, regardless of, of sexual orientation. And I'm all for educating the church to treat people with respect, regardless of their race, their gender, or their sexual orientation. Yeah, let, me, let me say this, one of the things that I'm thankful for about this whole discussion, about, about this being, uh, being at the forefront right now in, in, um, you know, in our country and in our lives, with the issue of homosexuality is that it, it makes us, it forces us as Christians to look at ourselves and say, am I being a faithful ambassador for Christ in the way that I conduct myself around my co-workers, around maybe my, my family members? who maybe are struggling with same-sex attraction or who maybe are, uh, have embraced the, the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, for me as a pastor, I'm thankful that it has, it has, it has caused me to, to examine the things that I say from my mouth, how I say them. You see, it's not just speaking the truth. It's, it's how we speak the truth. It's, it's caused me to, to stop and to say, you know, something I would have said 10, 15 years ago. You know, stupid things, thoughtless things like, you know, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Listen, that's not helpful. It's, it's flippant. It's, it's not mindful, the fact that we're dealing with people here. We're dealing with, we're dealing with, with, with humans here. We're dealing with lives. And so I'm thankful that it, it makes us more mindful of how am I going to conduct myself when I'm in Walmart, I don't go to Walmart anymore, when I'm in Target <laughs> when I'm in Target or when I'm in Costco or when I'm in in Winco and you always pack a gum and you go to Winco right because Winco is kind of wild and crazy but anyway uh, but but when I'm in in these you're in different places and you're you're standing in line especially if you're at Walmart you're in line for a long time right and, and uh, great prices but long wait and you're standing there in line, and you might see a couple, you know, a homosexual couple, and, and they're, they're holding each other. They're embracing one another, or they're, you know, they're kissing on one another. And, and, and it makes you stop and to think, how, how am I, what kind of facial expressions do I have on? Would they, would they see me as an ambassador of Christ by the things that are on my face right now? We'll, we'll talk more about that as the weeks go on. But in the workplace, it's, it's gone beyond fair treatment. Uh, there's an agenda there, and, and I'll just read this from, and I won't even tell you what company this is from, what local company. Um, but it says, uh, looking for simple ways to start being more engaged, being a more engaged and active straight ally. Try using a few of these suggestions to build your ally skills and start creating change. This is the agenda I'm talking about. Number five is help your kids teach them about all different kinds of families. Be mindful of the day-to-day messages that they are receiving about gay and transgender people and issues in school and from friends and web and TV. Think about where you spend your money. Support gay, lesbian, bi, and transgender or bisexual and transgender owned uh, family f- or. or transgender-owned and friendly businesses that have policies in place to ensure equal treatment for all. Number eight, challenge those around you. Encourage your social club, workplace, or faith community, i.e. church, to consider inclusive policies that protect the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community from discrimination. So it's, begun, it's, it's beyond an issue of treating people with respect to where now an agenda is being forced upon People within the workplace. And in the workplace, I would imagine most of us in here work beside those who profess to be gay men or gay women. They are our co workers. And so, homosexuality is an issue that affects all of us at every level of our lives. But the place that it impacts us the greatest is at the personal level. And I know many of you in here, I've talked to many of you. I know some of you in here have children who are struggling with same-sex attraction or are actively engaged in the homosexual lifestyle. Some of you have brothers and sisters, cousins, nephews, nieces, grandchildren. And if we're honest this morning, it's likely that there are some here today who are struggling with same-sex attraction, just as, if we're honest today, there are many here who are struggling with other temptations besides same-sex attraction. So what's our approach to this issue going to be? My heart is that of a pastor. Pastor. To me, it's more than addressing an issue. This is about people. I've got no desire to hammer this issue or to beat it into the ground. But I do have a desire to minister to people who are created in the image of God and who need to hear the gospel. You know, we live in a world that seems to have no moral anchor a society that seems to be very confused about what's right and what's wrong we, we live in a church age that um, seems to be groping in, in the dark because she's she's lost her way and, and and she no longer has any authority and she no longer has any any conviction And in light of that, we need something that speaks with certainty, something that speaks with clarity, something that speaks with authority. What, what we need on this is something that's definitive. We need the Word of God. Grab your Bibles real quickly. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 22. This may seem a strange place to start our study, and, and I'm not going to spend much time here this morning. I'm just about done. First Kings chapter 22. It's right after First and 2 Samuel right before first and second chronicles first kings chapter 22. first kings chapter 22 is um of course the book of kings is about the history of the different kings of, of israel Israel's considered the northern kingdom Uh, of Israel remember after David and Solomon the kingdom got divided into two kingdoms Uh, Rehoboam Solomon's son became the king over the southern kingdom of what was called Judah and then um, uh, Jeroboam became the king over the northern kingdom which was is usually referred to as Israel Uh, the southern kingdom's uh, capital is Jerusalem the northern kingdom's capital is Samaria and at this time there's two different kings on the throne. The king of Israel is a, is a king by the name of Ahab. The king on the throne of Judah is a king by the name of Jehoshaphat, and I'm sure you're familiar with both of those names. But there in First Kings chapter 22, we have King Ahab from the northern kingdom, and he's lost because of his ongoing battles with syria syria coming in taking land and all that he's lost a a city which is on the uh east side of the jordan river over on the border of syria and jordan called ramoth gilead he's lost it several years earlier to the king of syria he knows that it belongs to him it's it's part of their god-given territory but he has not, not taken it back and so he begins to explore the possibility of going to battle with syria to get Ramoth gilead back because he knows it's his and so what he does is he gathers together 400 of what we're going to call court appointed prophets these were not prophets of god these were just a bunch of yes men so he gathers these 400 prophets together and we see there in verse 6 It says he gathered them together, about 400, and he said to them, he says, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to fight? Shall I go back and reclaim this territory that rightfully belongs to us? Or shall I refrain? Shall I just leave it alone? So they said, Go up, Ahab. For well, the Lord will deliver it into, your, into the hand of the king. Well, Jehoshaphat happened to be in town while this is going on. And he's got alliances with Ahab because of, you know, families have married together to keep these alliances and all this kind of stuff. So he's there visiting Ahab in, in Samaria, and he's part of this. And he's asked Jehoshaphat, Ahab as, will you go to battle with me? he says, listen, I am as one of you. My people are your people. My horses are your horses. You go to battle, we're with you. Israel is we're in this you know we're unified well Jehoshaphat witnesses the 400 yes men telling Ahab exactly what he wants to hear and Jehoshaphat wisely asks in verse 7 he says is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of in other words is there one here that will speak for the Lord and not what The culture or what you want to hear it's not pressured so the king of israel said to jehoshaphat in verse eight there is still one man micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the lord he says but i hate him i hate this guy why does he hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me he doesn't tell me what i want to hear he always speaks doom and gloom. He just never he never encouraged me to do what I want to do. I don't like him. I hate the guy. Well, reluctantly, Ahab says, all right, we'll go get Micaiah. I hate the guy, and I don't even really want to see him. I just seem to spit on him as look at him, but I'm going to, uh, okay, let's go get him. So he sends a messenger. They get Micaiah, verse 13. And, and the messenger kind of has a little briefing with him to kind of set him up for what's what's going on he says listen Micaiah he said the words of the prophet with one accord encourage the king and Listen, all these other 400 guys they've told the king to go to battle because that's what the king wants to hear please he, he said, the servant says to Micaiah please let your word be like one of them speak encouragement and Micaiah what did he say Verse 14, he says, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, then I will speak. In other words, Micaiah says, I'm not going to tell the king or the people what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what the Lord says. And and it turned out to be a hard word that he had to say to them. And Ahab didn't listen to that word. Jehoshaphat didn't listen to that word. They asked for someone who would speak truth to them, speak the word of God to them, and then they rejected it. And the consequences were, were, were horrible. Ahab dies. They didn't gain Ramoth Gilead. You can read the rest of the chapter for yourself. And, and this is my promise to you. You may not hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what God's word says about homosexuality that i can assure you and so our approach is going to be that what does god's word say about it because you see nothing else matters the the 400 prophets what everybody else is saying what the culture is saying what our president is saying what bob costas is saying what jerry brown is saying it doesn't matter they don't it doesn't have the authority what we need to hear from the creator the one who created you and i in his image that's who we need to hear from the one who cares for us. The one who, who sent his son to the cross to die for our sins. For those who are in rebellion against him. So we're going to see what God's word says. We're going to look at the pertinent passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there aren't a ton. We're going to answer, answer the question, well, what is the, is, is, is there any hope for a homosexual? Someone who is in the, the throes of homosexual sin? And finally, we're going to, we're going to answer the question, how should we, The church, Christians, respond to homosexuals who intersect our lives because I don't think we can look at this issue without equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, which is that we are ambassadors for Christ. We have got to learn how to engage sinners like you and I with the hope of the gospel. And I'll say this right up front: you, uh, Our goal when we come across our coworkers or family members who are who are uh, you know involved in same sex attraction or or, or homosexual uh, sin, uh, it's not to go after the sin. It's to go after the sinner. They need the hope of the gospel. And we may have to talk about the sin, but that's not the first thing we have to talk about. We talk about the gospel. So to help you think ahead on this issue, I don't want you to come in here with, as a blank slate. I want you to come in here having begun to read the pertinent scriptures, uh, the relevant Bible passages, and, and I put those in your outline so that you would have them and that this week you begin to, to read these passages and i've just given you the ones from the old testament so next week we'll cover the old testament the week after that we'll we'll, we'll hopefully get to the new testament passages and begin to deal with that but but you're going to notice right off the bat you're going to say well why don't we start in genesis 19 with sodom and gomorrah shouldn't that be where we start the issue of homosexual homosexuality uh, no i don't think it's the place to start i think the place to start is genesis chapter 1 Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we're going to look at that because that's where God states His purposes for, for, for man and woman. His created purpose for them. His, His created order for those who, who bear His image is right there before the fall. And then we're going to look at, because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, the results of man's rebellion against God. And how that has changed our thinking and how that's, 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 that's changed our behavior and then we'll go to genesis 19 and we'll see what god's word says about the cause of his judgment there on sodom and gomorrah was it as some liberal theologians say and as many in the gay community are writing books today on uh, on this issue and they're saying that the issue in sodom and gomorrah wasn't uh, judgment because of homosexuality but it was judgment because of a lack of hospitality we're going to look at that we're going to talk about that we'll speak to that and then we're going to go to Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, and we're going to ask the question and answer the question, do they speak to homosexuals? Do these verses in Leviticus, do they speak to homosexuals in a a loving and committed monogamous relationship? Were they just for those days? Do they have no bearing today? And lastly, we're going to check out an often overlooked passage which is judges chapter 19 and all along the way my hope is to talk about god's grace and his kindness towards sinners like you and me we're not just talking about an issue we're talking about people and so stand with me as we go out with prayer father father Lord, this morning, we thank you for the time that we've had to kind of chart a course for where we're going and where we hope to go and, Lord, how we hope to deal with this issue. And, Lord, we're asking you this morning, Lord, once again, we want to have your perspective, Lord, not only on this issue, but on all issues, Lord, on on all sin. We want to have your mind. We want to have the mind of Christ. We... uh, So, Lord, we ask that you would teach us by your Spirit, inform us by your Word. We ask, God, once again, that you would uh, change, Lord, believers' hearts in here, our attitudes, our, our thinking on this issue so that we rightly represent you. Lord, we want to be lined up with your Word. We want to be people that speak truth, but in love. Not just having the right words, Lord, but the right way to say it. So, God, we're asking you to equip us for that. Lord, we're asking you to change hearts of those in here who are actively in rebellion against you. Lord, uh, we're asking you to save them, just as you've done with many of us. Lord, we want them to know the hope of the gospel, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of a new identity, Lord, no longer being identified with sexual orientation, Lord, but being identified in Christ, We want them to be able to say, as Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, of such of these were some of you, but you were washed. Lord, there's no other fountain we know by by which a man can be cleansed other than the blood of Christ. So Lord, may your blood wash over many in this room. Bring them to repentance. Bring them to salvation. Bring them to eternal life and eternal hope. We ask in Jesus' name. And Lord, bless our food today. Amen.